This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. Man, I love being in the house of the Lord. I was raised that way, but more than that, I just love it myself, man. My, you know, mom and dad don't have to call me every Sunday and say, hey, are you going to go today? Man, no, are you kidding me? I wouldn't miss church. If I'm in another state, if I'm in another country, I find a church to go to because that's what we do. We love the Lord. Amen. Well, we've got kind of an interesting setup today. All right. Hold on to your seats. We're going to throw a curveball at you. Everybody strap your helmets on. Here we go. So this morning, we're going to have a tag team sermon. I'm going to randomly call one of you to do the sermon. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) Some people... I, no, if you, volunteer, if you volunteer him, we'll volunteer you, all right? Don't do that. So, here we are. Uh, I'm going to actually kick things off, and then my bearded, mustached brother, wherever he went, he's doing this new handlebar mustache. Anyway, we love him. We love him. He's going to do the second part, and then my dad's going to close it off. But what we're talking about today is our lift groups. And so if you need an outline, raise your hand. The ushers will give you one. And you're like, well, what's a lift group? We're going to explain all this. But you've got to know that, man, part of being in the church family, if you want to just really get the full family experience, man, you got to get around us a whole bunch. I mean, we'll, we'll, we're a little weird at first, but we will rub off on you and you'll begin to like us after a while. It may take a minute, but you know, we'll kind of, we'll force ourselves upon you and you'll end up liking us a lot, right? And so, uh, but part of being a part of the family is more than just coming to Sunday service or Wednesday service, but this church has a lot more to offer, uh, offer each other. Amen. We've got what we call lift groups, and these are our small groups that meet, and we've got several different groups. And you're like, you're getting a whole sermon on this? Yes, because we want to show you why it's important and why it's biblical for Christians to fellowship, for Christians to hang out, for the family to just get together for dinner sometimes. You need to do that, don't you? You need to be around your brothers and sisters because they, they, they encourage you. They build you up. And and I, I can say there's been a lot of times that I've been having a down day. But I, I've come to church or I've come to one of our get-togethers. And, I mean, people just lift me up. I, I feel better after I hang out with you people for a little while. And and it's because we're brothers. We're sisters. We're family. And this is what we do. We, we don't just go to church together. We're a family. And it's so much more than just going to the same church. And is, is there anyone in here that could agree with me on that, that, that you've been here for a little while and you've genuinely, I mean, you've just surrounded yourself and become part of the family? Well, let's go ahead and open up in prayer. Then I'm going to explain what lift groups are and I'm going to give you point number one. Then I'll, I'll tag someone else in. All right, let's pray. Father, in Jesus name, we thank you, Lord, so much that we have a church to worship you in. Lord, that we have a place to call home, that we have family surrounding us. And God, I pray today that as we open your word, you'll speak to each person that's here, Lord, even if we're talking about a topic that they think, well, man, this isn't what I came to hear. Listen, God, I ask you to speak into our lives about what we need to hear today. We praise you and we thank you that you are good and your mercy endures forever. We love you, Lord. In Jesus name, everybody said amen. All right. So. I've got about 10 minutes here, so I'm going to try, and that that's pretty hard to just do something in 10 minutes, so I'm going to make this happen. So what is lift? What does that even mean? Well, lift simply means, it stands for living and faith together. Living and faith together. And and a few years ago, you know, some of us were praying, and, um, you know, churches everywhere do the small group thing, and I'm like, that's cool, but it just never really been on our hearts. And so a couple years ago, God just started speaking to a bunch of us and said, it's time to start to start doing this, to start having uh, small groups, start having groups that can meet together. But we didn't want some cookie cutter formula. We didn't want to just do what the big churches do. We wanted to pray and see what God was telling High Desert Word Center to do. And so uh, we were con- kind of talking, man, we want to lift each other up. We want to build each other up. And, and God spoke to us, lift groups, living and faith together, because that's that's what we're all about. High Desert Word Center is a family church. And if you even read our mission statement, you know, it's on the it's on different things. It's on the website. But our mission statement is a family church 
equipping God's people for victorious Christian living. And so that uh, definitely means we want families, moms and dads, kids, yes. But even if you're not a mom or a dad or married or have a kid, we want to be your family. That's the heart and the desire of High Desert Word Center is to become your family where we laugh together, we cry together. We have, did you know we have Thanksgiving dinner together, you know, right before the Sunday before Thanksgiving? And listen, we throw down in here. It gets, it gets real super fast. We have some good food. All right. And you, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of like, it, just like a family, you see some of those cousins that you haven't seen in years until there's food again, then they show back up at mealtime. Anyway, <laughs> amen. Is that you? Okay. Okay. So let me, let me show you something this morning in Acts chapter two, Acts chapter two. And so point number one is this. Why lift number one to grow together? Why lift number one to grow together? We are in this faith fight. We are in this life, this journey, this process. We're in it together. And so we're growing together, just like brothers and sisters do. We grow together and we, and we celebrate together. But Acts chapter two, we're going to look starting at verse 42. Acts chapter two, verse 42. And this is from the early church, the first Christian church, the, the church in Jerusalem. So Jesus goes to heaven and then, uh, the day of Pentecost and all this great stuff is getting ready to happen. But Peter and the, and the apostles have gathered together and they're having church. Jesus said, Hey, you just go and wait and the Holy Spirit's going to come. And they're like, okay, we'll go wait. But Acts chapter two, I want to show you here at verse 42, Acts chapter two, verse 42. So they've started a church and it's going really well. Peter's first sermon, I think 3000 people get saved. That's, that's a pretty good success rate. I would definitely be happy with those numbers. That would, that would be a successful day right there to see 3000 people come to Jesus. That's, that's a good day. But Acts chapter two, look at verse 42. This is talking about the church. It says, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. And so these people, it says, you know, they, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. So they were going and listening to Peter and, and the apostles, the pastors, the preachers. They were going to church, and they were listening to the preaching. They were worshiping together, no doubt about that. We've already seen that here in Acts. But it says these guys, they take it a step further. They start going to each other's houses. They start sharing meals together. They start taking communion together and just straight up fellowshipping. That's that's old school for hanging out together, chilling with your homies. Okay, that is fellowshipping is what this is all about. And so these guys, they didn't want to just see each other once a week. They wanted to get together and grow together in their Christian faith. Look at verses 46 through 47. Check this out. Verse 46, it says, they worship together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. And so does this sound like family to you? I mean, they're eating together, they're hanging out together, they're going to church together. And because of this, this is such a tight-knit group of people. It says the Lord added to their fellowship daily. I mean, people were being added to the church, being added to the family day by day. And this church grew and grew and grew. So does that mean that our purpose for having lift groups is just so the church can get big? No. Our church, is, our, our, our purpose for this is so that we can grow together. And so you, when you're having a down day, you have someone you can call because I realize that not everybody is everybody at your work, just complete sold out, born again, radical Christians. You walk in and your coworkers have the morning verse for you, your cup of coffee and your devotion. No. Okay. Well, guess what? That's why you need us. That's why we need each other. That's why you need to have church friends and family that you can call upon because we are there to encourage each other and lift each other up. And so this is one of my favorite aspects of High Desert Word Center is that we are truly a church family. And, you know, one of the kind of the new, you know, popular words amongst church circles is, well, that's my church community. You know, you, I got my community and I'm like... I mean, I, I can appreciate my community. I, I love my community. I live in Barstow. This is my community. I love it so much. But guess who I love more than my community? 
I love my family a lot more than my community. Amen. You know what I mean? I like there's things I will share with my brothers that I'm not going to share with Sam the butcher. I'm just I'm not that kind of guy where I just spill my beans out there. But to my family, I'll confide in my family. I'll go to my family for help. And there's people all over my community that I love. But I think an even better word, I think an even closer tight knit group than a community is a family. And that's what I appreciate is that. I have brothers and I have sisters and we are growing together in the Lord. And so it's awesome to be at church services. That's that's the number one thing. We, you know, going to a lift group doesn't replace going to church. You know, it, that my dad kind of said this to me that that a lift that's that's a good vitamin, but you don't you, that doesn't mean you miss the main meal of the week. You still come for dinner. Amen. But at the same time, this is an opportunity if you join a lift group. I mean, it's not something you sign up and commit to, but we're going to give you a list later on in the service to show you what groups there are and you can say hey i think i could go to that one we've got a group for young moms and wives we've got you know the ladies group the men's group the men's group uh we've got uh, uh financial p we got all i mean i don't even know of them off the top of my head at this moment but we got so many different groups that there is something that you could fit into and surround yourselves and as you do this you're going to grow you're going to meet people that, that are going to help you along your way in life. You're going to meet friends. You're going to make family. They're going to help you get to the next level in the Lord. And so I encourage us, just like these people in the early church, they, they went to church together. It says they went to the temple. They went every day. They went to the temple every single day. But it says that they went to each other's houses. They hung out. They ate together. They fellowshiped. They, they cooked food together. They partied. They celebrated. And they, they loved the Lord together. And because of this, they grew as Christians, but also a byproduct of that was the Lord added to their fellowship. The Lord added to their ministry, to their church daily, the people that were being saved. And so I want to encourage you with point number one today. It's this, that as a church, it's so important to be here, but go that next level. Start going to one of the groups. Go to the ladies' group. Go to the men's group. Go, go to the parenting classes, whatever it is, and surround yourself with strong family members, and it will just push you forward that much more, and you're going to grow. And when we're raising our kids together, we're celebrating together. When one of us has a down day, we pick them up, and we're doing life together, and that's what the will of God is, is for us to grow together as a Christian family. So why lift? Number one, so we can grow together. Amen? All right, I'm going to shut up now, and I'm going to tag my brother Josh in. So, all right. <laughs> Everybody knows that Pastor Dave is the favorite brother. So, uh, in fact, to prove that... Uh, when we were getting ready to set up this sermon, I was thinking back uh, when I was in college, they made us do a public speaking course. And uh, I remember one thing the teacher said. He said, anytime that you're going to speak with more than one person, you want to try to go uh, first because everybody is most attentive at the beginning. He said, or you want to try to go last because everybody will remember the last thing they heard. He said, whatever you do, don't be the guy that speaks in the middle. And so... Uh, I don't know how this happened other than uh, my dad is the pastor. He sets the rules, and then Pastor Dave is the favorite, so he gets to. <laughs> but, but, thank you, thank you. Today I'm going to try to think of myself as the meat on the sample sandwich. So uh, so if we think of it like that, then maybe maybe it's good to go in the middle. I don't know. So, <laughs> sorry. Now I lost my train of thought. Okay, here we're going to preach. The, uh, we just learned about growing together, but the second thing we need to do when we lift, we're living in faith together, is we need to worship together. Flip over with me to uh, Ephesians chapter 5. And uh, I like getting to talk about this topic because even though I'm the, the worship leader and I get to sing a lot, I don't get to talk about it very much. So we'll talk about this just for a, a few minutes here. Ephesians chapter 5. And we'll flip down to verse 19. And it says, singing psalms 
and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the Lord in your hearts. So this scripture is telling us that we need to be singing amongst ourselves. We need to be singing and worshiping together. And something I, uh, I've grown up with my parents in ministry. Uh, so I've been doing ministry and been in church my whole life, over 30 years now. And something I hear people say a lot is that, you know, well, I don't need to, to come to church. I can worship just as well at home by myself. Has anybody ever heard someone say that? Yeah, I can just I can stay at home and worship by myself. And let me tell you, that is patently false. That's not true. You cannot worship as well, you know, off in the corner of the desert by yourself or in the, back home. They would they would say they're going to worship in the woods by themselves or whatever they're going to do. You can't. The level of anointing by yourself is not the same as when you get a group of believers worshiping and singing together. There's more anointing when we all get together. Second uh, Chronicles 5. Let's flip over there. I want to show you uh, in the scripture a very, very powerful example of what can happen when you get together, you know, instead of singing Hillsong in your car by yourself or whatever, when you get together with a group of believers and worship the Lord together. This is one of the coolest, uh, as far as worship goes, one of the coolest stories in the whole Bible. Uh, and if you're having trouble finding uh, Second Chronicles, it's right after First Chronicles. <laughs> Thank you for the courtesy, courtesy laugh from my brother. Yeah, you know what, Joe? I'm gonna make you come up here and preach if you don't. <laughs> Second Chronicles five, and let's look down at verse thirteen. It says, "The trumpeters and singers performed together." in unison to praise and give thanks to the Lord, accompanied by trumpets, cymbals, and other instruments, they raised their voices and praised the Lord with these words. He is good. His faithful love endures forever. At that moment, a thick cloud filled the temple of the Lord. And look at this, verse 14. It says, The priest could not continue their service because of the cloud. For the glorious presence of the Lord filled the temple of God. And this scripture says that they were singing and worshiping together. It doesn't say they were, you know, each of them off by themselves. It says they were singing together in unison. And because of this, the anointing was so powerful that the priest or the pastor couldn't even finish the service. They just all had to just kind of sit there and, and enjoy the anointing. And that is something that you can't get at home by yourself. And, I, yeah, if you think that you can, then, you know, I, I, I don't think that's true. <laughs> so we need to sing together. And another thing that I noticed in the scriptures, it says that they were raising their voices. And that's something else we all need to work on a little bit is we need to sing out loud together. And I know some people say, well, I'm not that great of a singer or whatever. But, you know, honestly, that's why we have speakers and microphones so that the rest of us don't have to hear you. <laughs> Just, uh, maybe that's not why, but you know what? <laughs> Sorry. But the Bible says that we're to make a joyful noise to the Lord. And. It does say in other places that we need to play and sing skillfully, but it's also acceptable even if all we're doing is just making noise. If that's what you're singing is just making noise, that's still worshiping the Lord. And we're believing for the anointing, you know, in the services, but with the anointing and the miracles I've seen, I've never once been in a service uh, where the anointing was so powerful that people were able to sing without moving their mouths. So we need to open our mouths and sing together and worship the Lord together. That brings the anointing of the Lord, you know. Um, as a worship leader, one of my favorite things to do is when I just have the band stop playing and singing, and we, I just get to hear you guys singing. That's one of the most powerful things. I love that. I mean, I, 
If I could, we just wouldn't even play. We'd just hear you guys sing. Because when we sing together, it's so much more powerful. Uh, Look at Romans 15 real quick. And this is a scripture that really describes this well. Romans 15, and let's flip down to uh, verse 5 and listen to this. It says, May God, who gives this patience and encouragement, help you live in complete harmony with each other as is fitting for followers of Christ. Then all of you can join together with one voice, giving praise and glory to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So it says we're supposed to join together with one voice and worship together and sing together. So we've got to worship together. But the second thing, we, or the third thing, I guess, because the first thing, of course, was grow together. The third thing we need to do is we need to pray together. Let's look real quick at Matthew chapter 18. Thank you uh, for the whistles. I'm going to presume those are directed at my mustache. So, just kidding. Sorry. (laughs) Sorry. We're going to talk about prayer in a minute. But this morning, you know, I'm not always the most well-dressed of all the samples. You know what? I've got the microphone. <laughs> and I thought I was doing pretty good today. I, I got, you know, I got a jacket on, which I don't always do. I've got a tie on. And I thought, I was thinking to myself, you know what? I'm doing pretty good today. I, I'm more put together than I normally am. First thing pastor says when he sees me, why is your shirt longer than your jacket? <laughs> probably, I don't know, yeah, I guess my clothes don't fit. I don't know. But. You know, so, you know what, from now on, shorts and t-shirts for me, just, just, just kidding, just kidding. Let's talk, let's talk about praying together. That's good. I just wanted to give you time to get to Matthew 18. Matthew 18, and look at verse 19. And we kind of, uh, we, we alluded to this a little bit in some of our songs this morning. It says, I also tell you this. If two of you agree here on earth concerning anything you ask, my Father in heaven will do it for you. Any two of you agree. And before we get too big into this point, I think a lot of people get really confused about this prayer of agreement that we're going to talk about. What this scripture is not saying is that, you know, we need to get as many people as possible to pray because uh, if we get enough people then we can pray loud enough and God will be able to hear us better and he's more likely to answer our prayer. Or like Pastor likes to talk about, this isn't saying, you know, we need to get a Facebook prayer chain because if you don't have enough people praying, then God won't answer your prayer or God can't hear you or whatever. 1 John 5.14 says that we have confidence that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. So we already know that he hears us if we're asking anything according to his will. And he hears us even if we're praying by ourselves. And a quick little side note here on prayer. Just like I was talking about you can't sing with your mouth closed, you can't pray with your mouth closed. I think a lot of people get confused, uh, especially in modern times for some reason. They get prayer and thinking confused. Prayer is not the same thing as thinking. In fact, uh, back in the old days, uh, the word pray literally meant, you know, to say something or to ask something. I, I remember reading, like, when I was in school, reading, like, old English books and stuff and, and say, I pray thee, dear brother. And it's not talking about praying to God. He's just asking his brother something. Praying and thinking are not the same thing. If you're going to pray, you have to open your mouth and speak the words. That's something we preach big here at this church. And even if, you know, if, if you're just kind of whispering 
quietly to yourself, you still have to verbalize those words because if you're just thinking them, then it does no good. You may as well be thinking about how your fantasy football team's doing or something. I don't know. But even though you can pray by yourself, we can see from Matthew 18, 19 that there's something special about getting someone to agree with you. There's something unique about that type of prayer. James 5.16 says that we need to pray for each other. So praying together, praying for each other, is something we all need to do. Uh, And just like I gave an example of the uh, power in worship of praying together, I want us to to look at one real quick. Uh, In Acts chapter 4, this is a real powerful example of what can happen when uh, believers get together and pray together. And as we're talking about the uh, living in faith together today, you'll notice that a lot of our scriptures are out of the book of Acts because they kind of modeled how, as a church, we should be. And you'll notice that they were together, like Pastor Dave was saying, they were together every single day. It doesn't mean necessarily that they were having a church service every single day, but they were getting together, praying for each other, worshiping together, fellowshipping together, even just getting together to eat to eat together. But look at this, uh, Acts chapter 4. Um, and this is uh, towards the beginning of the book, being verse 4. Uh, but this is right after they were just arrested, uh, and they were told by these uh, chief priests that they're not ever allowed to speak about Jesus ever again. And so they're probably a little bit bummed because they were, their whole goal, you know, is to tell as many people as possible about Jesus. And they're just instructed to not talk about Jesus ever again. Uh, verse 23, it says, As soon as they were freed, Peter and John returned to the other believers and told them what the leading priests and elders had said. But verse 24 is the one I want us to look at. It says, When they heard the report, All the believers lifted their voices together in prayer to God. O sovereign Lord, creator of heaven and earth, the sea, and everything in them. And then we won't read the whole thing for time's sake, but they go on and they have this big, long prayer where they're praying together and they're telling God what's going on. But the one I want to look at is verse 31. It says, After this prayer... The meeting place shook, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Then they preached the word of God with boldness. So prior to praying together, they were a little bit timid. They are upset because they had just been told to not ever preach preach about Jesus ever again. But when they got together with all of their fellow believers and they prayed together, it says they were able to preach the word of God with boldness. They weren't you know, afraid of the chief priest anymore. They just went out and preached with boldness. So praying together moved God in a powerful way for them. So that's why we need to pray together. So to, uh, we're getting ready to turn it over to Pastor, but just for real quick review sake, does everybody remember what uh, Pastor Dave told us? What our first, what's that? To grow together. And then I just talked about worship together and then pray together. And now I want everybody to welcome up Pastor. He's going to bring up the fourth one. Oh, hallelujah. I'm proud of my kids. Amen. And, you know, I'll just, I'll just throw a, a Dr. Barclay thing out to you. Do you hear those guys say they were raised in church, spent all their time in church? Uh, I know there's probably some people here or probably had, know somebody that was raised around dope and raised around bars and stuff like that. What's the difference between raised in church and out there? Can you see the difference? Dr. Barclay always says that uh, when, you go, when you go through things, of the hard times of life, uh, if you go to church, you'll get more faith or less faith. Are you going to get more encouragement or are you going to get discouragement? You're going to get encouraged. And so, you know, I just, pastor, it comes out of me, man. It's hit me so it comes out. So before I get to my stuff there, 
I'm encouraging you about your church family. If you're visiting, you have another church family, you need to be in your church as much as you can. When you're in trouble in life, if you're going through crisis in the family, crisis on the job, crisis with your kids, the last thing you need to do is be absent. You need to be in. You come into the presence of God. Uh, Joshua talked about the corporate anointing. That's called the corporate anointing when believers are together. And that, that Acts chapter 4 he was looking at, verse 23, right before he got to verse 24, says, They were being persecuted and said they ran to their own company. They ran to their own company. At that point in time in Jerusalem, there was a whole lot of people got born again. 5,000 got saved. 3,000 got saved. Started off of 120 on the day of Pentecost. And the Lord was added to the church daily because they met daily. Revelation. And so because there were so many of them getting born again, they had lots of choices where they hang out at. They had lots of choices who they could pray with. But it says they went to their own group. Their own group because their own group had their back. Their own group had their heart. Their own group didn't just listen to them and say, okay, we'll pray for you. And they get busy if life forget they go to pray. When you're hooked up intimately with people together, they don't just say we'll pray. They pray. And they don't just pray one time. They think about you during the week. They'll text you. They'll message you. They'll call you. They'll pray for you. They'll talk to the Lord intimately about you. And so you need to be intimate in your relationships with fellow Christians. Not just fellow Christians. Like Pastor Dave said, I like that. He said there's a community of faith, but then there's your family of faith. I know a whole lot of good preachers in town. I'm friends with Baptist people and Catholic people and lots of other uh, different pastors in town. But you're my family. You're the ones I know, even for me as your, as your leader, I know that you pray for me like nobody else prays for me because we're in this together. And so I just want to say it again. When you go through crisis in life, don't let the devil separate you. There's an old saying, the, the, the lone banana gets peeled. <laughs> hey, man, so you need to stick together in a bunch. Uh, I know I'm going to say something that's not politically correct with a lot of people politically correct, but have you ever watched The Lone Ranger? Tonto, you know, talk to Paleface. Well, guess what? The Lone Ranger, without Tonto, got scalped. We need to be together to have each other's backs. We need to be together, and not just as a casual acquaintance, on Sunday mornings to come together and say, hey, how are you, how are you, how are you? And there'd be more booze and buddies with people out there in the world who don't even know God than you are of church people. Amen. That, that was free. I want to show you a couple books out of the bookstore before I get to mine because it's really important. Our bookstore is part of your family of faith here to help you grow. This is called Welcome to God's Family. It has lots of chapters in here about things to help you when you're new in the faith. What it is to be born again, to be filled with the Spirit what tithing's about, what worship's about, fellowship, and all kinds of things to help you grow in the faith. And that, that's one of the tools we have in the church. And then this is called the new birth. have it in Spanish, and we have it in English back there. Because for our church, I preached on this a couple weeks ago about uh, why, why we do what we do. Our number one highest priority in our church is not to come together on Sunday morning to be together. Our number one priority is get people born again into the family of God. We want people to get saved. And so that's our number one priority. And that, that little book right there, The New Birth, if you're a person that's a, new to the Christian faith, that will help you from the Bible to understand what happened to you when you said, Jesus, forgive me my sins, come into my heart. I want you to be my Savior. You need to understand that. Because that helps keep the devil off of you if the devil tries to tell you, well, you're not saved. You're not a Christian. Well, you read that book, that'll show you how. Plus, that'll help you explain to other people how to become members of the family of God. Not members of a church, of the family of God. Because the church doesn't get you to heaven. The new birth gets you to heaven. So that book will help you with that. And then our number two things, our church, is a whole lot of what these lift groups are about. Our number two purpose is not just to get people to say a prayer but to get them to grow in the Lord to be disciples. 
to be disciples. Jesus talked a whole lot about disciples. He had more than 12 apostles. He had a lot of disciples. And if you're a follower of Jesus Christ today that reads your Bible, prays, wants to grow in the Lord, then you're a disciple. And so our church number two purpose here is to get people discipled. And lift groups help people to grow and, and, uh, and, and learn more about God and the things of God. And then our number three thing in our church here is to get people to grow from disciples into servers. To serve in the family of God. And I'll I, I tell you something about God, how God is. God doesn't waste his anointing on anybody. God gives his anointing to people that are going to use it to help other people. And so if you want more anointing in your life then you serve more. And when you serve more, God says they need more anointing because they're using it. And so anyway, that's, that's us. Number one, new birth. Number two, to raise disciples, people that don't backslide, people that stay with God. And then number three, to get them served because when you serve, then God could, of course, naturally, God could fill the house up with more people because you got more servers to help more people. And that's what we're all about is helping people to grow. And if you notice our church mission, we call it equipping God's families for a victorious Christian living. We want Christians to have victory in life. Right now the world is such a mess that Christians are the answer to what's going on in the world because we represent Jesus. Amen. Jesus has answered every problem in the whole world. And as representatives of Jesus, we need to walk close with Jesus. And as people see our lives, Jesus said, you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Well, we can say this, if you've seen me, you've seen Jesus. Because I'm doing the works of Jesus. I'm living like Jesus would live. And that's going to help everybody. Amen. Give the Lord a hand. Uh, I'm going to quote this verse here because for time I don't want to spend too much time on one part. But Genesis 2.18, you're you're all familiar with the verse I know. Even Even if you're not a Christian, you've heard this, that when God created everything, he says, It's not good that man should be alone. And he was taught by giving, giving Adam a wife, giving him Eve, giving him a helpmeet. And so it's not good that man should be alone. But that doesn't just mean that man needs a wife. But that means that man needs fellowship. God created uh, human beings and placed inside of us, every one of us, the desire for companionship or fellowship. I know there's some people that get so messed up in life, they just want to be hermits and live by themselves, et cetera, et cetera. But they've, over, they've overridden the God-given desire and cry to have friends, to have fellowship. And write, write this part here down. We have a podcast that basically we uh, put, put our servants on the Internet. It's at hdwc.org. And if you go to that, then it'll show you podcast sermons. And you go listen to those online. But I taught one. I taught one two weeks ago at a Wednesday night called How to Live a Satisfied Life. And I'm going to talk a little bit about what I've taught there that day there. But basically what it comes down to is you're going to be influenced by the people you hang out with. So you've got to choose who you hang out with wisely. The Bible has a lot to say about what kind of people should be your bosom buddies or your pals. Amen. Be your bosom buddies or your pals. And... Uh, you know, I wrote some things down. I want to read off this. I say it like I, like, I, like I want to. Most human beings, saved or unsaved, crave a peer group. People that share their interest, that they've got something in common with. And so listen to this. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm anointed, but sometimes it don't sound nice if you're not listening in the Spirit. <laughs> okay. Joshua was pretty nice, and sometimes he's not real nice. But Joshua was real nice. I was thinking, man, Joshua being nicer than I am. And, and Pastor Dave, he's the favorite. He's always nice. <laughs> nah, we don't have any favorites. We love, we love all of our sons. And, and uh, Joe, Joe could get up here and preach right now if he wanted to, but I know he doesn't want to right now. So Joe just sit there and listen to Dave. <laughs> uh, and so anyway, we, 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 we crave a peer group. And if you are the follower of Christ and biblical values and morals then you probably feel very comfortable hanging out at bars and with people that don't follow Jesus that talk about lots of non-biblical things. And if that's who you're comfortable hanging out with, you need to make some adjustments in life. If you want to be a disciple of Christ about who you hang out with and what you do. And, and I never thought about this to the Lord had me put this together. The secular world has every kind of support group imaginable. Have you ever heard of Alcoholics Anonymous? 
We're going to talk about the word anonymous. The Lord showed me something about that. Have you ever heard about narcotics anonymous? Gambler's anonymous. Everybody's anonymous. Singles anonymous. <laughs> Grief recovery and on and on and on and on. And people have a need for fellowship, but there's no fellowship there. Reason being that anonymous, I looked it up. That says uh, having no outstanding individual or unusual features, unremarkable and impersonal. Does that sound like a godly thing to you? I'm not knocking any of those things there. I've said all these different things are out there for a reason being they're trying to meet the need of humanity. And they're not getting the job done. And, you know, I think, I, th- I think about, uh, about, about, I think about one guy in the church here, come, come here a few years ago, got born again. And how many different groups did you go to, Lawrence? Where's Lawrence at? He's, he's out making his rounds. Okay. Lawrence was going to three or four different anonymous groups to try to help him. And he came here and started going to church. He got born again, started coming to church several services a week. And he came over and said, Pastor, he said, man, he said, I'm coming here and getting built up. I'm going there. They're sucking it out. They're not helping me. He said, I'm just going to quit all the anonymous. I'm going to come to church. He said, he said, I'm not going to take the 17 steps. He said, I already took the one step. I received Jesus. <laughs> and so, amen. Amen. Leah, did I do your husband justice? Did I do him justice? Well, that how it was. He decided to hook up all the way. Because he found out this is where the life was. This is what he needed. And so I've said this. People crave fellowship. And I think about taverns. I wasn't raised in church. I was raised in taverns. My dad and mom were serious drinkers. All their brothers and sisters, my aunts and uncles, they were serious drinkers. That's all I do. But after I got born again, I saw what was going on. Taverns and bars are counterfeit churches. You ever notice on the windows, I don't know if they still do now, but on the windows they say, we serve spirits. We don't serve spirits. We submit to the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit works through us. I don't want any spirits. Amen. I got the wrong spirits out there. Dave, you ever get the wrong spirits out there? There's wrong spirits at those places. there. said, we serve spirits. And then also I noticed this. Sometimes people complain about offerings in churches. They come there, they give their whole paycheck sometimes as an offering for the spirits. They leave out of there broke. They don't, they don't, they don't leave out of there full of joy. They leave out of there full of booze. And they wake up, they got headaches and hangovers. They're messed up and they lose their families. But you know what they do? They want to go there for some counsel. So they sit at the bar and they look at Pastor Bartender. And they tell Pastor Bartender their troubles. And then they have an altar call. And the patrons, when they go to fall out, the patrons help prop them up. (laughs) Amen. And so what am I talking about? The world saved and unsaved desires somebody they can hang out with. And if the church doesn't meet the need, the devil makes sure he's got plenty of counterfeit out there to try to help him meet the need. I'm doing better preaching than you are shouting. Amen. Somebody, somebody out there thinking, Pastor, I just left the bar last night. I left early as so I come to church today. Then I hear this. Well, that's why you left early, so you can hear this. You're going to get real help here right now. And, and somebody said, I hope they don't look at my eyes. My eyes are totally red and bloodshot, but here I am. Okay, you're here. Amen. We'll give you a hand. Welcome. We're glad you're here. God's going to help you. Amen. Amen. And so anyway, anyway, uh, if you're going to be a follower of Jesus and you're serious about it, God's provided some things from the Bible that are Bible things to help you. And I want you to look at Psalms 1, verse 1. And this, this is part of what's uh, in that podcast, if you choose to listen to it. That podcast, I wrote the date down so you know what it was. It's from September 13th on a Wednesday night. But anyway, Psalms 1, verse 1 says this. Blessed is the man or woman. And that word blessed... From the Hebrew means empowered to prosper, empowered to prosper. And that just, that's just mean financially, that means spiritually, that means socially, that means physically. In other words, you're blessed if you do what he says to do. So blessed is the man 
For blessed is the woman. He's going to tell you about this kind of person. The man that walketh, as so says, walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth, talk about walking, talk about standing, in the way of sinners, nor sitteth, talk about walking, standing, sitting, in the seat of the scornful. So in other words, different positions of life. And so what this here tells you, there's three kinds of people that God says that you shouldn't pal around with or hang out with as bosom buddies. As your bosom buddies, as your close confidants, as the one that you really feel comfortable around, that you can hang out with. And so this doesn't mean we're to be rude to people that aren't church people, aren't Christians. On the contrary, we're to reach out and to love them, but you can't reach out to somebody who doesn't know God for support. Because they're going to give you wrong counsel. And so we can't let our light shine, our witness, unless we hang around different kinds of people. But guess what? How many here work? You spend more time with those kinds of people than you do your own family. So all day long, you get paid to be a witness to people that don't know God. Amen. And how many here that not 100% of your family is born again yet? I mean, that's all of us. And so when you're around your family members, people like that, there's a good possibility that the majority of your family you're with are in these categories. They're people don't know God. And so we're around people that don't know God a whole lot. And so he's saying, he's saying these verses right here, I'm going to read you something about these people here. He's saying they're not supposed to be the ones you pal around with. You're around them all the time anyway, so your light is shining already. And you know, I'll, I'll say something too. That uh, it's one thing to spend some extra time around sinners and people that are ungodly people because God has you on assignments. It's another thing to hang around the sin because you love the sin. Amen. It's one thing to be a missionary to a perverted world. It's another thing to become a pervert because you think you're going to help them better. You're not. Somebody said, Pastor, Pastor, Pastor. I know it. I know my nickname is Pastor Pester. Okay. <laughs> and so you see it. You see it plenty every day. And so I want to say again, this is talking about people that you fellowship with and hang out with. And I said, blessed is the man that walketh not the counsel of the ungodly. Now listen, if you don't know the Bible, you may think this says something it doesn't say. An ungodly person could be a church person. How many know there's church people that don't live like God wants them to live? An ungodly person could be a very religious person that goes to church multiple times a week, even teaches Sunday school, or ushers, but how do they live where they're not in church? Amen. How do they live when they're not here? Ungodly means a non-word person. They think the Bible applies to everybody but them. They think they have a special exemption in how they can live. As long as they go to church, they, they can live like they want to out there. And it says, bless the man that doesn't hang around with ungodly people. Amen. Amen. That's not who you fellowship with and hang out with. There's people that don't really believe the Bible. Uh, who's their social media friends? What do they quote on social media? I'll tell you what, I, I, I don't do the Facebook stuff anymore. But I just, something that really shocked me is the people, even in this church people, that go to this church, that put on their like about things, and I'd read what it was they liked, and the person that put the post on there would have a four-letter cuss word as their Facebook handle. Or not handle, that's CB stuff and truck days. Handle, whatever they call it. What do they call that? It's called a handle? Whatever. Okay. Whatever it is, would have, have a cuss word, and they would quote with cussing, Things about something going on. I'd have somebody in this church put on there. They like that. I thought, man, that is sad. If they like that, then they better start reading what they're saying. And sometimes, sometimes uh, I would call them out. I'd say, man, do you realize what you put on your like? They said, Pastor, I just know I saw what it said. I didn't look at it real close. I said, you better look what it says because those people are cussing and talking about bad things on there. And you're being a disciple of Jesus. People are going to think you talk that way. I said, I know you don't talk that way, so watch out what you're saying you like. Amen? Amen. We're talking about things to be, to, be, to be a good Christian witness for Jesus. And so anyway, if you're going to hang out with people that are religious people, 
You need to make sure their everyday life lines up with God's moral values and God's principles. If you're going to hang out with them. See, there's nothing I'm saying here about walking away from friends and family. I'm not saying that at all. We can witness to them without making them our best friends we hang out with all the time. And then the second kind of person he talks about here is nor standeth in the way of sinners. As that tells you right there, there must be a difference between an ungodly and a sinner. A sinner is a person that's never given their life to Jesus Christ yet. They've never said, Jesus, I want you to be my Lord and Savior. I want to live for you, Jesus. And an ungodly person could be a religious person that doesn't practice what they preach. They tell everybody else what they should do, what they shouldn't do, but they don't do it themselves. They say, don't watch how I live, just listen to what I'm saying. No, I can't hear what you're saying because I see what you're doing. Amen. Amen. We have, we have to know this thing. See, we're talking, we're talking, we're talking about fellowship. We're talking about discipleship. And we're talking about growing in the things of God. And so, I want to say this again. If you want to grow and develop a strong spiritual life, you're going to have to choose who you hang out with wisely. That doesn't say, I got to overemphasize this because sometimes people get so religious. They think they can't talk to somebody who's not saved. You're with the unsaved people all day long. Lots of your family's unsaved. You don't avoid them. You don't shut them off. You don't tell them I'm better than you. And things like that, you just don't choose. And that's who you're going to spend all your spare off time with. Amen. <clears throat> Amen. Unless the Lord has you do that for a season. And I gave this example when I taught this lesson a couple weeks ago. Back in 1981... I had a younger brother. I'm so glad I obeyed God. We spent some time with him and his wife before they got saved. They're both in heaven now. They're younger than me. But anyway, for a season, God had me and my wife go down to their house on Saturdays and play euchre with them. Nothing wrong with euchre, except I got better things to do with my time now. I used to really like cars before I got saved, except I got better time to do with my life now. Unless God has me on assignment. For, for a season, I think about a month, maybe two months, God had us every Saturday down at their house playing euchre. I was on assignment. Euchre didn't appeal to me like it did before I got saved, and it didn't know what to do with my time wisely. So we was down there, and in between hands, we was preaching Jesus. We was talking Jesus. We was living Jesus. We was preaching Jesus. And my brother, I remember one day, said to me, he said, How'd you know all that? You been watching in my windows? And I said, No. I said, I'm a spirit-filled Christian, and the Holy Spirit shows me things. And we'd be praying cards, talking about their lives. Well, we led them both in a prayer of salvation, but they never did get delivered from alcohol and drugs. They lived about another, what, maybe 25, 25 years or something. Uh, he died of bad things, but he was saved when he died. I saw him right before he died. And uh, his wife died. He had an alcoholic stupor, fell and hit her head on a coffee table, and her daughter found her dead in there. But the thing was... They tried their best off and on over the years to keep on living for Jesus. They get in and out of church and things like that. But I'm so glad for that season God had us go out of our way to spend time with them, to in between all the things that they didn't know about anything at all except the life they were living, to be able to preach Jesus to them. So I'm saying this. Sometimes God will have you on a season to spend time with people doing things that aren't, aren't necessarily wrong, but they're time-consuming. And, you know, it's just like sports and ball games. I'm not going to knock any sports or ball games. I've not been, ever really been into things like that myself. But if you're so wrapped up and you know more about who's in first place, who won last year, that you know John 3.16, you might want to stop doing some thinking about your Christian walk. That if you, if you can quote more ball game scores and the number of the player than you can the disciples, then maybe you're not growing yet. Amen. And so we're talking about these lift groups to help you grow. Then that last person you talked about with, I will mention this one. Nor citizen see the scornful. Now this is what a scornful person is. That means someone that murmurs, complains, and whines about everything. Does anybody here know any murmurs, complainers, whiners about everything? It doesn't make any difference who the president is. It doesn't make any difference who the governor is. Doesn't make any difference who the pastor is. They're always fault finding. 
They can't say anything good about anything. If it's cloudy, they're complaining about it. If it's sunny, they're complaining about it. If got a new car, they're complaining about it. Got an old piece of junk, they're complaining about it. They're always whining about everything, but they never do anything to change anything. All they got to do is whine. And it says you're not going to prosper if you hang out with those whiners. You know why? Because you're going to become infected with a virus. You're going to get that wine virus. You're going to be a whiner. And then you know what's going to happen next? You're going to go viral. What's that mean? Your wine is going to get contagious. And then all of a sudden, you're going to be right Dan Landers or Dear Abby or somebody. I don't know why my family doesn't want to hang around me. I'm a good church person, but nobody wants to hang around me. I'll tell you what, church people can be some of the biggest whiners in the world. Amen. And so there's a lot of church people that I don't want to hang around. There's other church people I love to hang around. I choose my friends wisely because the Bible tells me I'm supposed to choose who I hang out with because who I hang out with is going to influence me. I want to be influenced with somebody that I don't know if they're going through a hard time or I don't know if they're going through a good time because they always got a smile on their voice, on their face. And they got cheer in their voice. And they say, praise the Lord, everything's okay. And I'm not saying we don't pray for you because we do. What we're talking about, we do. But the thing is, people that choose to walk in the joy of the Lord, they're going to get a lot more victories quicker. Whiners rarely win because they're whiners. And the Bible says we're not supposed to sit in the seat of the scornful. So what happens? They walk into Del Taco. I swallow my taco. I say, bye. <laughs> hey, if you're at Del Taco this, this week with me, I got up and laughed at one because she was a whiner. <laughs> that was just a random thing that came out. But anyway, who you hang out with, it rubs off on you. And so he tells us we need to choose our friends wisely. Does that, does that make sense to you? Amen. And so we're talking about the purpose of lift groups. And so, uh, I, I want to get back to that anonymous thing. So anonymous means you really have no identity and, uh, you, 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 uh, you're nothing remarkable about you. But the Bible also talks about fellowship. And the word fellowship, and how many know what communion is? We take communion here once a month. Some churches do it more, but we take communion. How many know what that is? Wow. Pastor Dave, you and I, it's communion next week. What if a teacher? We had three people in the whole church even know what it is. How many know what communion is when we take communion? Okay, that communion and the word fellowship come from the same Greek word, koinonia. And what that means basically is this, an intimate, heart-to-heart relationship. And isn't that what communion is all about? We have a heart-to-heart with God while we're taking communion. We pray, search our hearts, share our hearts. Since they think the Lord needs to say to us, well, see, that communion with him is the same thing as fellowship with believers. You need to have people that you can share your heart with. And you know, they're not going to go viral on Facebook with your heart. I'll tell you what, one of the saddest, dumbest things I ever saw. And I learned a lesson as a baby pastor. Had a lady back in Indiana came up into my prayer line. And she told me about this weirdo. That's hanging out for her daughter. Her daughter was like in her early 20s. And this guy was several years older than that. He was really, really, really a very religious El Flaco dude. He come into my church in the back after church started and had a stack of cords of Bible stacked up his heart about that deep. And then his dad was coming to my church to me. His dad told me that his son was a prophet Elijah that came back. So I've definitely kept these people at a distance. As I noticed when Elijah came in, Elijah stayed away from me because he come in late. And what Elijah would do, he would razzle and dazzle all the young girls in the church. Until I was able to run him off. Of course, I got curses at me and stuff like that from Elijah. But Elijah came in. Et cetera, et cetera. 
And he always went for the young, innocent girls. He would quote Bible things to him and have his big stack of Bibles like he was some hot shot. Anyway, let's fast forward. So that after he'd been gone for some time, this lady comes to my prayer line and she says, Pastor, I want you to pray for my daughter. And she told me about Elijah, what he was doing with the daughter. And what's the nice way to say about it? He had put the tattoo in a very inappropriate place on this girl's body. And said, man, this is what he's doing, putting tattoos on her in places that only a husband should see. Things like that. And says, I want you to pray, et cetera, et cetera. And so I told her. I said, hey, man, the guy's a rat. I said, he's a phony. He's no good. It said, because you just asked me some things. I said, man, I said, I read him out of here. I said, all he wants to do is molest the young girls. I said, whatever it takes. I said, get your daughter away from that guy. <laughs> a week later, I come out to my mailbox. Elijah left me a three-page letter. And so I come to find out this lady in my prayer line, who I thought was having an intimate conversation, was stopping every Tom, Dick, and Harry on the street tell the same story. I thought she was talking to the pastor in confidence, or I talked to her in confidence. Last thing I wanted was Elijah walking past my house and putting curses on me. Cursing wouldn't work anyway, but I just don't like to have private conversations with somebody that goes public with them. So as a pastor, I thought it was an intimate conversation, but it turned out my name got blabbed through the community. That didn't look too good. I'd be talking about somebody like that. But I had a lady up here tell me my daughter's getting messed with. I told her the guy's dangerous. He's a molester. Get away. So what's that mean for you? That means this for you. If you're going to have an intimate relationship with somebody that you need to have intimate Christian friends, it needs to be a given when you're talking this between me and you, not for the world to hear. You need to be a person of confidence. Somebody shouldn't tell you. Have to, your best friend should not have to tell you this between me and you for nobody else. If you've got a best friend, they know it's between me and you. And then at the same time, at the same time, you shouldn't go blabbing everything. They shouldn't blab your business. You've got to have somebody you can talk to. You know, James chapter 5, it says, Confess your faults one to another, your sins, your slips one to another, etc. Well, you've got to have somebody you can talk to and say, Man, I'm having a really hard time with this in my life. I am really being messed with. I don't know what to do about it. And sometimes it's things that you'd be embarrassed if people public knew things. You're going through things. Because what I've learned so many times, the devil hits your head with thoughts that doesn't mean you're that kind of person. That means you're being tempted. And you'll have somebody you can be able to say, I'm tempted to fall back on this thing used to have a hold on me as of the world. That doesn't mean you're doing it. That means you're tempted. And say, I would like you really to pray for me and help me in this area of life, knowing you talk to somebody, and then I'm going to judge you. They're not going to throw you under the bus, but have a close Christian friend you can talk to, and they're not going to think bad about you. They're just going to pray with you. Amen? And so that's why we're talking about these lift group type things. You can write, write this verse down. 2 Peter 1.1. 1, 1. Peter talked about people of like precious faith. Like precious faith means somebody that you grow stronger with. You can encourage each other. You can hang out with. You can be bosom buddies and no strings attached. Your fellowship like that. And casual acquaintances in church services will not produce that kind of relationship. Why lift groups? You need to have somebody to be close with. I want to close with this out of 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14 to 18. And I'm going to use the Pastor Dave translation, the New Living. I don't use New Living a lot, but I do. But I like the way this said this. And we're talking about why lift, living in faith together. We need to live in faith together so we can grow in faith together, so we can be strong together, so we can stay saved, and so we'll have somebody that can pick us up if we're down, and you'll be able to pick somebody else up if they're down. Okay, this says this here, don't team up with those who are unbelievers. How can righteousness be a partner with wickedness? How can light live with darkness? 
What harmony can there be between Christ and the devil? How can a believer be a partner with an unbeliever? And what union can there be between God's temple and idols? For we are the temple of the living God, as God said. I will live in them and walk among them. I will be their God, and they will be my people. Therefore, come out from among unbelievers and separate yourselves from them, says the Lord. Don't touch their filthy things, and I will welcome you. I will be your father, and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. And so God's saying that we're a light to the world, we're witness to the world, but we can't hang around with them in our spare time all the time. We've got to be able to hang around believers as much as we can to be sharper and to grow stronger and to be all that God wants us to be. Now I'm going to turn this back over to you guys. Tell about the different groups we have, Josh. And I'll, I'll say this for our lift groups. Me and Mrs. Pastor, basically more than any of them, we participate with the uh, rooted singles. That's 40, 40s and older like that. People never been married or they've been married, divorced, or they've been widowed or whatever. And we just had our meeting Friday night, had lots of people at that lift meeting Friday night. And I'll tell you what, these people love to be able to talk to each other about common things, to talk about things about Jesus, et cetera, et cetera. And I'll tell you what lifts me up, I get to go to that too, to be a part of it. Even as a pastor, I love to be able to get to know people better, see where they came from, see what they're going through, and then be able to see the answers they give each other because they're like precious faith. So anyway, Josh going to tell you about some of these groups and, and just, man, get hooked up if you're not. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.